0: Hey listeners, welcome back to Shades of Crime. Halifax, Nova Scotia is a unique and old city with an abundance of urban legends. Most are quite far-fetched, but there are others that are a bit more realistic. Even the most realistic of the urban legends tend to stray from reality, but there is one enduring tale that was long thought to be fake until it was confirmed that it was real around 2017. With everything that has come to light, this urban legend has instead become a well known instance of disturbing behavior exhibited by a Halifax resident. So, to the men of Halifax, if you're out alone downtown between the hours of 2 a.m. and 4 a.m., stay safe, be vigilant, and never accept a ride from the Halifax Glove Man. Get ready because things are about to get shady. Thank you. night I was out drinking with a couple of friends at Men's and Molly's in downtown Halifax. The bar closes around 2am, so we all left around then. After walking out, my friends and I parted ways because I intended to go get something to eat on Spring Garden Road. The walk from the bar to Spring Garden is about 25 minutes, and I was pretty drunk at the time, so I was beyond tired by the time I had gotten to McDonald's. When I left McDonald's, I began trying to get a cab. I called a few taxi services, but Casino Taxi and Yellow Cab both had like a 30-minute wait. I could walk home in that time frame. So I decided that I would look around to see if there were any wandering taxis, and if not, I would start to make my way home. I looked around and saw nothing, so I set off. Not even five minutes after I started walking, a black SUV pulled up beside me. The driver rolled down his window and asked, Hey, do you need ride? I took a look at the man, and he had a genuine look about him. He immediately gave me the vibe that this was just a man who genuinely wanted to help someone out. I'm a tall and fairly fit man, so I felt that I was probably safe getting into the SUV. I mean, I was for sure bigger than him, so if any conflict happened, I could handle it. After going over these thoughts with myself, I decided that it was okay to take the drive. It definitely beat walking for 20 minutes. Sure. I would really appreciate that," I exclaimed. As I got into his SUV, he handed me a card. The card read, Love the gloves, with a picture of the driver sporting leather gloves, the same ones that he had on when he picked me up. Where are you headed? His voice had a level of calmness that almost made it authoritative. I told him where I needed to go, and he drove off. Only a few seconds after we had started driving, he began to mention his business. He told me about his high-quality leather driving gloves. The way that he raved about them made it incredibly obvious that these gloves were his passion. Not wanting to sound rude or ungrateful that he was driving me, I asked him a bit about his business. When I engaged him with these questions, his face lit up like a child on Christmas. These gloves truly were everything to him. Then he asked me, Would you be willing to model a pair of my gloves for me? Uh, yeah, sure, why not? I felt like it would almost be like I was crushing his dreams if I didn't, and he was kind enough to pick me up after all. So, why not humor him? He handed me a pair of gloves. I took one and began sliding my right hand into it, but the glove was a bit too small. I looked over to him and said, I don't think these are the right size for me. They're supposed to be tight. Just squeeze your hand in and I'll show you how to properly stretch them. I did what he said and packed my hand into the constricting glove. Okay, now clench your fist and move your wrist up and down. I followed his instruction, and as I began maneuvering my wrist, I heard his breathing get a little deeper. I'm going to pull over so I can get a better look at how the gloves fit. The man announced, as he pulled up to a curb, Um, I really don't think these gloves are the right size for me. At least put on the other one before you decide. At this point, I already have one on, so why not just try the other? I packed my left hand into the other glove and repeated the stretching procedure. While I was doing this, his breathing got more labored. (sighs) This made me uncomfortable about the whole situation but the way he spoke to me made it feel like he had some sort of pull over me, and I still really didn't want to be rude. Oh, okay, I have both of them on right now, and they just really aren't the right fit. As I was talking, a woman knocked on the window of the SUV, looking for directions. This seemed like a good opportunity for me to get out and guide her, which would be a perfect excuse to get myself out of the situation. I reached for the door handle. Don't open the door. For some reason I listened. I tried to roll down my window, but I couldn't. He ended up rolling down my window for me. I think he had the passenger side window locked. I gave the woman directions and she left. It was just the two of us again. I have a pair of gloves that may fit you better. The guy said, handing me another pair. I decided that overall what was happening was harmless. Creepy, but harmless. So I told him I would try on the other pair. This pair of gloves was even tighter than the previous ones, and while I was struggling to fit my right hand into the glove, the man began breathing almost like he was panting. It was blatantly obvious that me struggling to get into these gloves was some sort of turn-on for him. His breathing was so heavy, I had to look over to make sure he wasn't masturbating. Thankfully, he wasn't. He was running his hand along the top of his thigh, but it wasn't near his crotch. Despite me knowing that he wasn't physically getting off, I couldn't get past the fact that he was without a doubt mentally getting off on what I was doing. I just couldn't keep up my politeness any longer. I told him that I was done modeling his gloves, and that I wanted him to take me home. Thankfully, he listened to my request, and... And also, fortunately, I had the foresight to not give him my real address, which is a pretty good feat for me being so drunk. I had told him the address of my friend who lived a couple of houses down from me. He dropped me off at my friend's home, and I headed to their backyard. From there, I sat and watched, waiting for the man to leave so that I could head home. After about five minutes of him idling where he had let me out, he drove off, and I headed home. I went to sleep that night thinking about how strange and honestly scary that encounter was. When I woke up in the morning, I knew I had to tell someone about what had happened, but honestly it was such an odd story I had my doubts that anyone would truly believe me. Nevertheless, I told my roommate, expecting them to most likely think I was inventing the story. But when I told them what happened, they told me that they had two other guy friends with almost the exact same stories. So I began to look into it, and it turns out there are a lot of people with similar stories. All with similar aspects, interconnecting them by a few factors. Every person was a man walking alone in downtown Halifax between 2am and 4am. Each person said that the man had them try on gloves and that he was clearly aroused by it, and each said that they thought their stories were too wild to be believed. The more I read, the farther I fell into the rabbit hole that is the Halifax Glove Man. Stories of encounters with the Glove Man varied. Some people reported that he had gotten them to drive his car while they wore his gloves, even though they were drunk at the time. Other people said they were offered drugs by the man because he wanted to continue the party. Behavior like this is concerning because entrapment of people into involvement with your sexual fetish indicates a disregard for consent and even when I thought I was alone in my experience, I felt he may escalate with someone else another time. And he did. Not long after I had taken a ride from the glove man, another man had gone to the police reporting that the glove man began masturbating while the guy was trying on his gloves. The guy quickly left the vehicle and contacted police the next day. Charges were laid against the glove man, and he ended up pleading guilty to some sort of sexual misconduct charge. Later, he found himself in court again for making available child pornography. It's illegal in Nova Scotia to even come across child pornography without reporting it to the police, so it's unclear if he had stumbled upon something or if he was actually in possession of child pornography. Allegedly, he also used to hang out outside of Citadel High School to lure young men over with the promise of drugs. Many people who talk about this man seem to find it more comedic than terrifying, but I assure you, if you were there, you would understand why, to this day. I fear encountering this man, and why I tell people to always look out for the Halifax Glove Man. The story I just told you is based on true stories, but modified for narration purposes. Each aspect of the story is true, but what I have said is not one specific person's account. Based on Reddit threads and articles, the story was created for the episode, but the Halifax Glove Man is very real. When I was researching for this episode, I went in knowing a couple of people who had personal encounters with the man, but I didn't quite understand what was reality and what was myth, and it turns out that a great deal of what I had heard is actually factual. Researching this case brought up a few things that I feel are important to talk about, especially when considering the sexual harassment and assault aspects of the case. In an article published by the CBC entitled How a Podcast on Halifax's Glove Guy Led to an Intellectual Property Dispute, the writer interviewed a social worker named Robert Wright in regards to sexual assaults against men. Wright runs a privately owned confidential support group for male survivors of sexual assault called Man Talk. His organization is the only support group for male sexual assault survivors in Nova Scotia. During his interview, he explained that when the topic of male victims of sexual assault comes up, people tend to laugh it off. He explained that this can be a coping mechanism or a mitigation tactic. Because of this, even when someone comes forward, it's often not taken seriously. This is evident when you look at the Reddit thread on these events where a large amount of the comments are jokes and statements that try to make what this man did seem more comedic than concerning. This can make the stories that people have brought forward seem silly, and to an extent it devalues the trauma some of these men have following their rides with the glove man. Most organizations for sexual assault survivors are underfunded and everyone deserves better. But when it comes to male victims, the resources are slim to none. In Nova Scotia, there is one provincially funded and run organization to support female survivors of sexual assault called Avalon, which is underfunded and needs way more support than they receive, but there are no provincial organizations which offer support to male survivors. This really upset me, but what I read next made it all worse. Conservative statistics say that 1 in 6 males will experience sexual assault in their lifetimes. 1 in 3 females will experience sexual assault in their lifetime. So sexual assaults against males occur half as much as they do for females. But 1 in 6 males is still a huge amount of people, and it certainly isn't low enough to legitimize not funding a program for male survivors. Don't get me wrong, I want more support for female survivors, but I want to see support offered to male survivors as well. So hopefully one day, we can take a matter like a man cruising the streets for vulnerable men more seriously. Stay safe everyone, and remember, you're not alone. And to the men of Halifax... The glove man is still supposedly cruising the streets, so if you see him, I'd recommend turning down that free ride. Thank you for listening, and I'll see you next week. Thank you for listening to Shades of Crime. Our theme music is by Shalim Musso. This episode was written and researched by me. The sources for this episode and all of our other episodes can be found on our blog, www.shadesofcrime.ca. Shades of Crime can be found on almost any platform where you listen to your podcasts. You can also find us on Instagram at Shades of Crime Podcast. If you like what you hear, could you please rate and review Shades of Crime on Apple Podcasts? It's a fantastic way to get the word out about this show. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, or if you would like to request a case, email us at shadesofcrime at gmail.com. That's all for this week, and I'll see you in the next episode. Thank